Um, good morning and happy new year. Uh, we got a really good morning this morning. Uh, how has this year been so far? Was it okay? You guys had a 22? How many of you are ready for it to end and start a new one? Anybody? Amen. God has big things in store for us as a church and you for your life. And um, you know what? You made it here in the midst of the rain. Good job. Just high five your neighbor right now and just say, good job getting out of bed. Right? Good job. You made it to church. Yes. That's good. Um, we have uh, an amazing guest speaker here this morning, a good friend of mine, and uh, I don't know, we were just sharing the other day, we went out to dinner, and, and Kanani and I, and Fernando and his wife, and just just um, talking story and hanging out, and you know, it's, it's good to be amongst people that you know are just family, like just like-minded, real people, humble people, they're in the ministry because they actually love people, and they actually love Jesus, and not for any other reason than to just promote the kingdom of God. And we were just sharing stories just about uh, the, the cars that we've had and the, the times when, when ministry was tough, when we were finally just kind of starting out and the money wasn't there and all that stuff wasn't there, but you do it anyway just because you love God and you're, you're following the purposes for your life. But we were sharing stories about he, he had a, a car that was just infested with roaches and uh, had to just dump that car. And I told him about all the cars that we've had that broke down and just, just sharing all the stories. But we do it because we know we're called and just being with good people that really know why they're in it and it's all about Jesus and it's all about people's lives. You're going to hear his heart this morning. He was raised in Colombia, he and his wife actually. That's why he's going to, you're going to hear his amazing accent, right? I just feel so like insecure the fact that I don't have a cool accent because all the guest speakers we bring in are like, good night, mate, you know, and Fernando's got his Colombian thing going and I'm just like, hi, I'm Carl. You know, it's Anyways, but um, he was, he was uh, raised in Colombia. He came to California, did some ministry over there, spent time in a church over there, youth pastoring and doing a bunch of stuff. He actually, when Kanani and I moved back to Hawaii in 2002, um, Fernando and his wife Karen moved back also into New Hope. He's a pastor at New Hope Diamond Head right now. Anybody New Hope in the house? Come on. Some lovers of New Hope, great family members with us. And... Um, he uh, started his church, he planted the church in 2004, and since then it's just been growing and thriving, and they're outgrowing their facilities, and we're blessed because the kingdom of God is moving in Hawaii, amen? And we get to partner with guys like this, and um, so right now where it's at is uh, their facility is, is becoming too small for them, and so I want to invite Fernando up in a minute here, but I would like us to pray for him, because one of the things that we're looking forward to in 2020 uh, 13 is we've been praying, God, give us the big audacious goals. Lord, we want to see big things done because you're a big God, a loving father that loves to give your kids good gifts. So we're just going to ask for big things. And one of the things Fernando shared with me was we need new facilities, man. God is blessing our ministry. We're growing. We need some help here. And could you pray for me? And so I just thought as a Hope Chapel family that we fully support Fernando and New Hope Diamond Head and what they're doing, the, the kingdom of God in Hawaii. Um, I'm going to ask Fernando to come on up, but I'm going to ask that you guys would pray with me over him and his ministry for God to do big things. Can you guys do that? Can we just pray and bless Fernando right now in New Hope Diamond Head? If you guys would just extend your hand as if you're right here laying hands on Fernando as well. Lord, we love you. We love your people. We love your kingdom. We love the fact that you are here and we are here 
simply to change lives or that they could know you, that they could know a loving heavenly father that has good plans for their lives that can change whatever, however bad 2012 looked like, that you could change it to something good in 2013, Father God. And we thank you for this man and his ministry. We thank you for what you're doing in this church, Lord. And I would just pray right now, Lord, with all my brothers and sisters here in this church, blessing upon blessing on New Hope Diamond Head right now, Father God. We pray that you would open up the perfect place, the perfect facilities that would meet their needs, that would enable them to take your word farther to meet reach and meet more lost people, Father God. And Lord, I pray that it would be everything that they need that's necessary. Lord, that you would continue with your favor, your momentum, your blessing in their lives, in their ministry. Lord, we thank you that we get the privilege of partnering with such gracious, awesome people, fellow pastors, Lord, fellow shepherds, Lord, that are just trying to move people closer to you. Lord, we thank you. We ask that you'd bless Fernando and his message this morning. Bless us as we receive it from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you guys raise to your feet and please welcome Fernando Castillo, pastor of New Hope Diamond. Come on. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Praise God. Uh, please be seated. Actually, actually, stand in a minute. Um, I want us to keep praising the Lord. I believe that was for him, not for me, right? It was for Jesus, right? I want us to praise the Lord for the amazing, amazing men and women of God in this house. And I'm talking about Carl and Kanani, and yes, about Ralph and Ruby. Let's praise the Lord for them and their ministry as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Amen. You may be seated now, and uh, it is a joy to be here. It is an honor. Thanks, uh, Carl and Kanani, for inviting me here. It's a privilege. I, I mean, this, this church is awesome. Yeah. And, and when I was invited, I was like, what? I want to speak at Hope Chapel, Carioja. This is like the flagship church in Hawaii. This is amazing. And, and I'm thankful for the opportunity, but I'll be honest with you. I'm more thankful for the friendship than I have with your lead pastor. Uh, it is sincere. It's really sincere. It, and and um, you know what I love about this new generation of pastors that are coming up? We really are for one another. We really love one another. We love our families. We pray for one another constantly. We want each other's ministries to be bigger than our own. We want them to succeed. And it's an honor, honor to have a friendship with him. With Pastor Ralph, it's been an honor to have him as one of my mentors in the recent years. And, and it's been a joy. Now, I have to be honest. I really wanted to come here because I really figured out the secret of this church. And this is what I'm talking about. Pastor Carl is probably one or two years older than me. And he looks younger than when I met him 15 years ago. <laughs> I saw Pastor Ralph last night. He looks like 10 years younger than when I met him 15 years ago. So I said, I need to go to that church, drink the water. <laughs> what is it? Preach from this pulpit because it's working. It's amazing how they, don't you, you guys are good, you guys have a good looking pastors here in this church. You have to praise the Lord for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, would you please take out your message notes or if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Revelation. <laughs> yes. That book that many of us avoid, that book that we get scared, freaked out about, we're going to be looking at it today. It's a powerful book, and, and in our church we've been studying this book all these last uh, few weeks and of the year, because since it's the end of the year, we're going to talk about the end. Pretty original, huh? So we decided to study Revelation, and we've been there, and I, as I was preparing to, to teach in our church, I knew that I was going to come here, and I was praying, God... 
Give me a message for, for Hope Chapel, Kani Ohe. And it happened and I felt that the same message and I, I was bringing to the church. This is the same message that God has for this church. I believe God has great things for this church. I know you're going to be celebrating 30 years of ministry next year. That's pretty remarkable. That's amazing. And uh, I felt in my spirit to come and say that the amazing things that you have seen in the last 30 years, 30 years are nothing compared to what you're about to see in this new season in this church. I really believe that. Not because I want to be a nice guy and, and patronize you guys here and kind of so you guys invite me back here. No, it's because the word of God promises that every single moment a new season with the Lord is going to be greater and bigger and brighter than the ones before. That's what God promises for our lives. And it's actually embedded that message in the book of Revelation. And we're going to take a look at that and 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 it's yes it's the end of 2012 and and, and to be honest i feel a little bad for the mayans <laughs> poor guys you know they they had it all wrong they had it all wrong and the world didn't end on december 21st we knew that. I told our church, believe me, we have services on the 23rd and the 24th. Yes, we have services here at church. The end of the world is not going to be on the 21st. Every time then someone says, here's the date, you have to say, uh-uh. Because Jesus said that no one, no one knows the time or the hour of the coming of the Lord. Nobody knows when the end is going to come. But certainly I will say that in, the, in this book of Revelation, we can see probably, and it's my personal opinion, is that we're probably in the last chapter of human history. We probably are in the last pages. And this book is going to give us so much encouragement and practical insight of how to handle when we feel that we are at the end. That's the amazing blessing of this book. Now, be honest and, and raise your hand on this one, okay? How many of you, you, you when you read about uh, Revelation, or when you would say that the book of Revelation is kind of both intriguing and kind of confusing? How many of you say, yeah, it's kind of, but it's kind of tough, right? How many of you, you got kind of get excited, but at the same time kind of scared about it, like kind of scary thing, you know? How many of you would say, yeah? Yeah, in our church, the same thing. Many people, you know, you know this, is, this, this book is tough. And the truth is, yes, this book is really hard. It's one of the, 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 the most difficult books in the Bible to interpret. And, 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 because the, and the reason is, is because it's full of weird stuff. <laughs> it is. I mean, there's dragons and beasts with multiple heads. There's the Antichrist and the 666 and all these weird, uh, like bizarre pictures and symbols and numbers. The 144,000, the 12 stars, the 10 horns, the four horsemen, the seven balls, the seven scrolls, the seven trumpets, the two olive trees, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> all that stuff. And you read it, and it's like, I don't understand. What is this all about? Yes, to be fair, this book is tough. It's, it's really hard to interpret. That's the reason why many sincere Christians... They, they land in so many different places when they try to interpret this book. It's really hard, but it's not impossible. And um, what we're going to do this morning is want to stick to the closest uh, meaning that the Holy Spirit had when he gave this revelation to the Apostle John, who was the one that wrote this book. And we're going to stick, you will see the blessing that this book has for all of you, in, in whatever circumstance that you are, you will see the blessing that this book has. This book is not just a revelation of future events at the end of the world. 
This book is about the revelation of Jesus. This book is about Jesus, your savior, your king, your master. It's about him. In fact, why don't we go and read verse one, starting verse one, chapter one, verse one, and, 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 and right from the get-go, John is gonna tell us what this book is all about. Verse one in Revelation one says this, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is about him, Jesus. It's about Jesus, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. And he sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. And this is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I love verse 3 here. It's awesome, because this is what it says. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. I love it because God is going to bless me today as I read these words of the prophecy to you. But it gets better because this also says here, and he blesses all who listen to the message and obey what it says, for the time is near. God is going to bless you as you read this book. This is a blessing. It's a promise. When you read this book, you're going to be blessed. How many of you, you want to start this year with a blessing? Huge blessing from the Lord. I do. So you know what I will encourage you to do? Read the entire book of Revelation. What? Yes. It's going to be a blessing for you here. It will take you 40 to 45 minutes. If you're a slow reader like me, like 40, 45 minutes. Probably some of you can read it faster. But if you're going to do that, this is what I will encourage you to do. Every time that you read this book, I want you to have four things, very important considerations in mind. First one is right there in your notes. It, this book was written to build our faith, not to bring fear. Amen to that. You see, this book is about whom? Jesus. And when we read about Jesus, we're not going to be freaked out. Where faith is going to be built. So don't, 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 don't fall into that trap that it's kind of scary. I don't understand. No, this book is about Jesus. It's going to build your faith. It's not going to bring fear into your life. The second consideration, this book is a source for encouragement. Everybody say encouragement. How many of you need encouragement once in a while? I do, especially when I go through tough times. But you see, this book is a source for encouragement, not material for speculation and conspiracy theories. Oh, that's a big amen right there. Because sadly, many sincere Christians have taken this book and rather than being a source of encouragement, it becomes this source for material for this weird stuff. And they spend hours and hours and hours. In fact, it's very frustrating as a pastor when you're trying to teach on Revelation, trying to find good material. Because 90-some percent of the stuff out there is just these weird, bizarre interpretations of this book. Very few people really focusing what God is trying to say in this book and the encouragement that this book really, really have. You see, it's not supposed to create a superficial excitement through speculative mysticism. That's a bunch of weird words that I said right there. But this book is about to give you hope when you're facing difficult times. How many of you go to difficult times once in a while? Okay, a lot of us. Now, be honest. How many of you raise your head will say, every time I go to difficult times, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read the book of Revelation. <laughs> first service, there was a lady said, me, me. She didn't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does that. But you see, that's exactly the purpose of this book. 
When we go through difficult times, and some of you are going through very difficult times, when we approach what this book has to say, you're going to be incredibly encouraged. And let me tell you why. Third consideration is because of this. This book shows that at the end, God's people always, always, always win. Like 14 people got excited about that. Let me say that again, okay? Let me just say, just in case that you didn't hear me. This book shows that at the end, God's people always win. There we go. We might be the fourth quarter, three seconds to end the game, and our team is down five points, and people are leaving the stadium, but you know what is going to happen at the end, and you're laughing. <laughs> you guys thought that we lost. No, wait, wait. Whew, big pass. Hail Mary. Your team wins. At the end, God's people always win. That's what this book is all about. And when you're in the middle of a trial, when you're in the middle of suffering, that fact alone will give you hope. It will build your faith to keep going to what you're, through what you're going through. Is it powerful? It's powerful. Now, the last consideration that I want you to have as you read this book is, yes, this book is the newspaper of tomorrow. Absolutely. But also, it is a handbook for today. It has so many practical lessons. Yes, it predicts a series of future events about the end, but at the same time, this book provides divine guidance and practical, practical help about whatever situations that you're going through when you feel that this is the end. And many of us, we go through times, seasons, and situations when we feel this is the end. We're at the end. I don't know what that would be for you. Maybe for some of you is. You or someone that you really, really love is going through a tough health issue. And, and, and the diagnosis is, is, is pretty scary. The big words were thrown out, Alzheimer's, cancer, whatever. And, and, and you feel this is the end. You feel that this is the end. For some of you, it might be your marriage. You're trying so hard for many, many years to get your marriage into a place of blessing, a place of where the glory of the Lord is present in your marriage and, and you feel like you're failing there and you're about to give up. You're at the end of your rope in your marriage. It feels like this is the end. For some of you, you, you probably put a lot of hope in that person that you were dating for a while and, and you thought, yes, this is the person, thank you, Lord. But that person recently said, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm gone, and your heart is broken in million pieces, and you're wondering, Lord, why? Why? I'm going to be lonely for the rest of my life. You feel this is the end. For some of you couples, you recently went through a miscarriage, and it feels this is the end. Some of you, your kids are just going away from the Lord. It feels this is the end. Maybe you lost your job or you feel that you're at the end of your career or that you're at the end of your ministry. You are even, you're not telling this to anybody, but you know this, you're so depressed. You're depressed, big time, big time, because you feel that you are at the end. You see, this book, in the midst of all that mess, can come and speak to you and say, when you feel that you're at the end, fear not, because the Lord is coming, and he's coming for you, and he's coming to restore your life. I tell you, this book is about Jesus. It's amazing. And what we're going to do today, as we go through the word of God, we're going to talk about Jesus. Anybody excited about Jesus? We're going to talk about him. 
We're going to take a look at four things, and I see, we're going to look in the first chapter only, uh, four things about Jesus. When you feel that you're at the end, listen, first thing, write these down, Jesus' love can find you anywhere, anywhere. Where do I get that from? Well, actually from the context of this book. If we keep reading chapter one, we're going to discover then John, the apostle John, was the one that wrote this book. John was the last living of the 12 original disciples. Uh, he's the guy then, then the Bible tells us in the Gospels, and this is the guy that probably was the closest friend of Jesus. He's the guy that rested his head in, in Jesus' chest in the Last Supper. This guy was pretty close with him, with the Lord. And uh, the year was about 95 AD. This is probably 62 years after the resurrection, after the ascension of Jesus to heaven. And during these 60 some years, the church has been exploding. The gospel is preached everywhere. People are coming to the Lord and to relationship with God in the thousands. And the gospel is spread all around the world. And John has become a prominent figure in the church. Now, at the same time, the church was being persecuted as well. The emperor, Domitian at that time, he said a decree and he said, you know what? I am God and everybody is going to worship me. Well, the Christian said, uh-uh, we're not going to worship you. These guys, the early Christians were amazing. They said, no way, even if we have to die, okay. So, the emperor Called all the Christians, persecuted them, brought them to the arenas than the Romans have, and they were publicly executed in horrible and, and, and horrific ways. And John was one of those guys. John also said, I am not going to worship him. I'm only going to worship Jesus. He was in prison, and he was brought into a Roman arena. We don't get that from the scripture. Actually, we get that, that from other historical uh, sources. And what those scholars will say, what happened to John was pretty, pretty gnarly. I mean, they wanted to make an example of John because of his prominence in the church. So they decided for the main event of the Colosseum that day, they were going to uh, pour hot oil on him. Pretty tough. And I don't want to draw the picture of how that looks, but you can just, just, just imagine what would happen to a, a human body that is exposed to boiling oil, or hot oil. And that was the center. And everybody thought when they, this thing was happening, oh, this guy is done. This, is gonna, this guy is going to melt right here. We're going to make a stew with this guy. But what happened is amazing. Scholars tells us then as the Oil was being poured on John. John was keep praising the Lord. And he was screaming in agony, but crying the name of Jesus. And you know what happened? A miracle happened. He did not die. Somehow the Lord protected him. And thousands of people watching this, they, dro they dropped their, their, their jaws right open and said, there is a God. And his name is Jesus. And thousands of people gave their hearts to the Lord that day. Amazing. So the Roman authorities were like so like confused. Like, we, what happened here? We tried to kill this guy. This guy doesn't die. And thousands more of people are going to follow Jesus. We have to smart up. We, we cannot try to kill him again. What if again Jesus comes and saves him? Another miracle. Thousands more are going to believe in Jesus. We have to do something different. So they decided to take John to the most isolated place the Romans had. 
And that was the island of Patmos. As you keep reading chapter 1, John is going to tell us, you know what? I was placed in this prison colony, this isolated place. It was a dark, it was a forsaken place. Now, John is not telling us that he was at Patmos because he wants to give us material for Christian trivia 2,000 years later. No. There is a message in the Word of God right there. Because when we read where he's at, this is what the, the, the Holy Spirit is telling us. Listen to this. It's pretty much God saying, you can never be in a place so forsaken that my love won't seek and find you. Why is that so important? Because many of you, when you feel like you're at the end, you feel like you're in this tiny, dark, forsaken, isolated place. When you feel that God's mercy cannot reach you. When you feel that God doesn't care about you. Because you're suffering. Your soul is suffering so much. You feel like your heart has been boiled in hot oil. It feels that way. When you are at the end. But it's in those moments when the Lord is saying. There's not such a place where my grace and my love cannot reach you. You see Jesus' love can't reach you anywhere. Amen. Second thing about Jesus here, write this down. Jesus is the redeemer of circumstances, of all circumstances. Write that down. This is powerful. And, and, and let, let, let's, let's read what happens now next. Once John is in Patmos, he tells us that he is just in a hard time. He's scarred from all these um, uh, burnt injuries. And he's probably 90 some years old and and he's really old, and, and he has seen the church being persecuted, and he's isolated, and he's crying out to God. He's probably saying, Lord, why why you're forsaking me this way? After all the good things I've done, why, why? And it's at that moment when the whole revelation of Jesus appears to John. And the first thing that happens is as John is praying, he hears the voice of the Lord. And this is what the Lord said in chapter, in chap, uh, verse 8, in chapter 1. Verse 8. The Lord said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Isn't that powerful? Now, Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So in English, this is what John is saying. I am the A and I am the Z. I am the beginning. I was there when all the universe, all the solar systems, all the galaxies were. And I formed them all. I created all that. But I'm also at the end. I know the entire book of the history of humanity. I have at the end. I know what is going to happen. I know the whole thing, how it's going to turn out. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the beginning. And I'm the end. I'm the almighty. I have full control of what's going on here. Now, you may feel like you're somewhere in between. You're probably not in A or you're not in Z yet. But you're probably stuck somewhere in the middle. Maybe you're stuck on the F. Or maybe you got stuck on the S. Smells really bad. Some of you know where you're talking. Okay, forget it. So you're stuck in the middle. You're suffering. You're like, God, what's going on? This is painful. This smells bad. My life is miserable. But the Lord is saying, don't worry about it. Because I'm out of the Alpha. I am the Omega. I know everything. All that painful places where you're in right now. All that suffering. All that pain. I can redeem it all for the glory of my name. 
I can redeem anything that you're going through. Doesn't matter what it is that makes you feel that you're at the end. I wrote the entire book, even the last page. And yes, probably this chapter in your life is, is written with tears and with blood and with sweat. But coming, it's coming. The next chapter is coming. And that is the chapter of redemption in your life. Because I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the Almighty. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to restore you. That's what he says here. And that's awesome. Romans 8.38 says this. That God works all things. All of them. The messy stuff. The trials. The difficult times. God works all those things together for our good. And, 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 and that's very important, you see. Because when you're in the midst of the mess, you may not see how God is going to redeem it. You may not feel good about it. But he is the almighty, the all-powerful. That's what almighty means. He has all power. There is nothing, no circumstance in your life that cannot be overcome by the power of the Lord Jesus in your life. That's what he's saying. I will take care of you. Even when you're going through the worst of the worst of the worst, I will redeem all that stuff. John, you're in the most difficult time in your life. I will redeem everything that you're going through. And it's going to be amazing at the end because I am your mighty. Whatever pain, whatever suffering you're experiencing, John, I'm going to turn it into comfort, into peace, into victory. Not just for you, but for all the church right now and for generations to come until my return. Oh, that's powerful right there. Jesus is the redeemer of all circumstances. Tell the neighbor, hey, Jesus is your redeemer. Tell him right now. Jesus is your redeemer. That's right. Some of you, you went like. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus is your redeemer. With no Hispanic accent. Just with your regular accent. Just tell him. Amen. Let's keep talking about Jesus. Write this down. Third thing here. You're going to love this. Jesus' glory will be revealed even more. How many of you, you want to know more, see more of Jesus in the next year? How many of you will say, yes, I want more of Jesus? You know, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for more. Of, I want more of his glory in my life. Well, let's take a look what happens here. Verse 12. This is John. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Son of Man is another title for Jesus. In fact, John uses that title in his gospel all the time. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and, and his hair were white like wool and white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like what? Polished bronze refined in a furnace. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And his voice thundered like what? Like mighty ocean waves. All surfers, Pastor Carl loves that part. Oh yeah! The sound of the voice of God is like the big waves in the North Shore. Oh yeah! That's it. Well, that's, not, that's close. That's close. Okay. Verse 16. Now, I love this. Picture this. He held seven stars... In his right hand. Think about the amazing power of God. He can have seven stars in his hand. That's amazing. That's who, that's who we worship, folks. This is our God. He has seven stars in his right hand. And a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all his brilliance. That's what John saw. That's how he saw Jesus in this point. Now, let's think about that for a minute. 
Because you see, Jesus and John were probably, actually I would say, John was probably the closest friend that Jesus had here on earth. He spent most of the time with Jesus. He knew Jesus like nobody. And the last time then, then John saw Jesus was probably 60 some years before this vision. And yes, John saw pretty amazing things about Jesus. He saw the transfiguration in the mount. And he saw pretty crazy things about Jesus. He saw the power of Jesus to heal the sick. He saw the resurrected Jesus. He saw the glory of the Lord in so many different ways. But it's 60 some years later, in the midst of the most difficult time in John's life, when he sees Jesus again, and what he sees is much bigger, is much greater, something he has never seen before. And that happens usually when we feel that we're at the end. Jesus reveals more of his glory, more of his love, more of his grace, more of his presence in our lives. See, friend, what you have seen of Jesus until this day is nothing compared to what you're about to see of him in years to come. Amen. The best is yet to come for your life. Some of you, you I love Jesus. I'm telling you, you're going to love him even more. Because the more you get to know him and his grace and his love and his mercy, the more you're going to be, wow, this is my God. This is my Savior. This is my King. And when you feel and when we feel that we're at the end, we're in this place where we have the potential to see more of Jesus' glory than ever before. So rather than fixing our eyes in those circumstances that are so painful because that's what we do, we need to fix our eyes in the glory that is about to be revealed in our lives. You see, many of us, when we go through difficult times, all we do is like, oh God, why? Why? I don't understand why. Why? And look, my problems are so big. God, my problems are so big. Rather than doing that, we're going to go to our problems and we're going to say to them, hey, you know what problems? My God is way bigger than you. My problem, problems? He is greater than you. He's the Almighty. He's the Alpha and the Omega. It is a different focus. You see, some of you, you, love, you, you, you know the loving Savior. Some of you, you know the God that restored your life and restored your marriage. Some of you, you know the God that, that brought you from, from a mess and is restoring your life. But what you have seen of him is nothing compared to what you're going to see in this next season in your life. That's the expectation that this book sets us all for. And no matter what we're going through, we're going to see more and more of Jesus in our lives. So what, this is what the Lord is saying pretty much to all of us here. Hey, you think you know me well? You don't. But you're going to know me even more. I'm going to reveal more of my glory and my presence to you. So don't be discouraged. Lift your head a little higher because I'm coming. And I'm greater than you think. And I'm more powerful than you think. And actually, I'm even closer than what you think in your life. That's encouragement right there. Now, remember that this book of Revelation has a lot of symbols. And John, in this vision here, his description is pretty amazing, especially... When, when we are at the end of the end times, when we are at the end of, of this world, when we are at the end of our situation, whatever we, we are, having that kind of understanding of who Jesus is makes a huge difference. So let me just reflect in a couple of these aspects of this vision that, that John had about Jesus. I wish I can go one by one. I, I would have the time to go one by one. But we're going to take a couple of those things. 
I want us to reflect on what John says about Jesus' hand. And he had seven stars in his right hand. And um, John tells us right at the end of the first chapter, in, in, in chapter 2 and 3, then these seven stars are the seven spirits of the seven churches. The churches then probably John um, uh, was the overseer or the supervisor or the bishop. He probably had seven churches and he kind of probably started, probably he planted these churches and he was kind of overseer of these seven churches. Actually, what the what scripture says, the stars are the angels, which is not really a good translation. Actually, it's the messenger for each church. In other words, the, the stars are like the pastors of these churches. The churches are the lampstands. But the point is here, that what God is saying is, I have people in my hand. I have people in my hand. Stars represent people here. Where we get that from? Well, also in the scripture, we find it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. The scripture says, then we as Christians, we as the children of God, we are supposed to be like beacons of hope, like sources of light, like stars in the midst of a corrupt and darkened world. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to become. And who is, who, who is the one that is helping us to become that kind of light in the midst of darkness? We are in the hands of the one that creates life and light. And God is saying with this, John, you and your circumstances, they're all in the palm of my hand. I have you here. I have you here, John. And he's telling us the same. We are in the hands of the Lord. All those circumstances are in the hands of God. Write this down as we write the fourth thing about Jesus here. Jesus has his hand on you. Isn't that encouraging? His hand is upon you. And is that hand then turns a mess into light. That's the hand. All the, that's why he's the redeemer. He's the almighty because he can take all that suffering, all that pain, and work it in his hand until it, be, it glows with radiance. You see, when we talk about stars, we're not talking about, you know, people like in the context of what we know in our culture today, the celebrities, they're the stars. No, we're talking about people whose purpose is to, to shine with the light of Jesus. And what God is saying here, he has your hand, he has his hand on you, all your circumstances are in his hand. Let's read verse 17 now. John says here, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. I would. <laughs> but he laid his right hand on me, the same hand that has the seven stars. And he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. You see, just when Jesus seemed to be out of reach in John's life, after all those years of suffering and, and trials and, and, and pain and agony, with this touch, Jesus is saying to him and to all of us, I have you in my hand. Your circumstances are in my hand. And listen, your light will not be extinguished because all the pain that you're going through. Because they're in my hand, I will make sure that those things really shine. In fact, I will tell you this, that pain, that suffering that you're dealing with right now, it's the fuel that is gonna keep that light burning. 
Because many people will see, many people that are in darkness will see, hey, hey, wait a minute, what happened to so-and-so? They used to be all hooked up in these drugs things, in this addiction stuff, and now look at them. Hey, wait a minute, what happened to so-and-so? Their marriage was a mess. And look at them now. Hey, what happened to that person that was so, so messed up and their life was known? Look now, the inspiration they have become. They have become like stars in the midst of darkness. And people fight guidance and they will find the Lord Jesus because people like you, people that are in the hands of the creator of the universe. It's so encouraging to know that you're in the hands of the Lord. Your circumstances are in his hands. Amen? Now, let us, let us see another important significance here. In this, another powerful aspect of the vision of John here. In verse 15, this is what he says, and his feet were like polished bronze as, as they were refined in a fire. Now, 2,000 years ago, when you hear that, immediately people understood. He's talking about polished bronze was a sign of strength. And, and everybody knew about the, the properties, the, the tempering effect of fire to strengthen metal. Everybody understood that. And what is the significance of that? Well, remember the last time, 60 years before this vision. Last time, then John saw Jesus in the ascension as Jesus goes like, into heaven. What would you think was the last thing that John saw in Jesus? His feet. His feet with pukas on them. Those feet, then we all know the story. Those feet that were so vulnerable on the way to Golgotha, carrying the cross, they couldn't stand strong in the midst of that agony and pain. Those feet then gave up several times, but with love and determination for you and me, those feet then stood up again and went all the way to the end. Those feet that were so vulnerable in the hands of Roman soldiers that were pierced. Those legs then were torn apart. As we read the description of the, the torture, the, every time then that, those lashes came, they were like the tips of this whip had like pieces of glass on it. And every time they made contact with the flesh, you just took chunks of skin away from. Those feet that were all messed up, now they have become like bright, shiny bronze. Like if it's refined through the fire. And what John is pretty much helping us to understand here, and what this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, those feet that once were vulnerable, now they're the feet of strength, then every single principality of hell, every single problem that you're going through, every sickness, every single thing that, that the enemy is throwing at you, you know what happened to those things, those things that are overwhelming you with its weight, what the Lord is saying, those things are underneath my feet now. You're, you're going to have the victory over those things. They're under my feet because I'm stronger, I'm the almighty than all those things. And you will conquer those things as well. That's amazing. Now it gets better. You believe that? It gets better. It gets better. Because listen, this is pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. I'm hearing my notes. Here we go. Uh, his vulnerable and pierced feet that now look like polished bronze. Why they look like polished bronze? He tells us why. Because they have been walk, walking through the fire. 
You see, your Lord, your Savior, your King walked through hell carrying your sin. He went through that furnace of fire and he came out as a conqueror, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why he can put his feet over anything that is afflicting your life right now. That's good stuff. Do you think it gets better? It gets better. <laughs> it gets much better. Listen, let's go to the cross for a minute. When you think about the cross, let's remember that when he was nailed there, carrying the sin of the world, at one point he also felt it was the end. Remember when he said, Father, Father, why are you forsaking me? That's the Lord Jesus himself saying that. He felt what he felt what you feel when you, when you think you're at the end. When you feel all isolated, all lonely, abandoned by God. He felt that way. In our church, we, I meet people all the time, good people. And I'm sure that there's many people like this here in this church as well. People that are good people. People that are serving the Lord. People that have given their lives away. People that are doing good things over and over and over. They're doing the right things. But somehow life comes and punches them in the face. And is trying to kill and destroy all the blessings of God. Good people. And they say, why? Why, pastor? I've done everything right. Why am I going through this? Why? I don't deserve this. Father, why are you forsaking me? See, Jesus knows what you're going through. Yeah. But remember this, with the same breath, and he said, Father, why are, you so, why are you forsaking me? He also said, but in your hand, I commit my spirit. The hand of the Almighty, the hand that can redeem any circumstance, the hand that can take my mess, my sickness, my pain, and turn it into a bright star, that hand, I commit my spirit as well. And that hand is there for you as well. That's the hand that is upon you and it has all your circumstances firmly grasped. It's the loving hand of our Father. Jesus abandoned himself completely to his Father and trusted in him to find rest and redemption, ultimate redemption. You see, maybe you're going through the fire and you're saying, it feels like I'm at the end and God is not even around. Listen to the loving voice of God saying, listen, if you abandon yourself and if you trust me, then you will go through the fire. You might not like that because your prayer is, God, enough, I'm done. I don't want to be in the fire. The Lord may say, not yet. Because you see, I love you too much to take you away from the fire. You need to know my plan is for you to shine bright in the midst of this darkened generation. But you know what? As you walk through the fire, I want you to know this. I'm holding your hand. Because I walk through hell, through that fire for you and for you and for you. So when you walk through it, you will have somebody that knows the way. Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to take you to victory. And I'm going to take you to that place. Then it's coming because I am the Lord who always fulfills his promises. I'm coming for you. I'm coming. I'm coming. Mark my words. I'm coming to restore you and to rescue you. And many people say amen to that. Lord, how many of you say, Lord, come?
Come into my life. I need you right now. Rescue me. Rescue me, Lord. How many of you would say, yes, I want that in my life? Amen? Amen. Amen. You see, that was our Savior. That was our Savior. The one that was at the cross. And you see, the Father's plan and the Father's power brought him through. And the same plan is for you. You see, God doesn't look at your life and goes, oops. He will never say that. He will look at the mess that you are in right now and he says, trust me. I knew it. I knew it. I wrote the whole book. And I'm going to use that pain and suffering. I'm going to restore it. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to bless you in ways that you have never seen because my glory is coming to your life. You see, whether it's the end of our time or at the end of our rope, this is what the Lord is telling us. I am here with you. No matter how remote you feel out of my touch, out of my touch, you may think you know me. You haven't seen the best of me yet. I am here in the middle of your troubles. I'm here in the middle of the fire and my hand is upon you. My hand is holding you. You will see my glorious power. You will see my, my mercy and my grace as we walk together through the fire. I'm here to tell you, this is what the Lord is telling you to each one of you. Those tough times have all of them, all of them have an expiration date. Your Savior doesn't. And you do not have that either. In the name of Jesus. You receive that? Amen and amen. Why don't we give our God, our God our clap offering and we thank Him for His word. We receive that Lord Jesus. We receive that Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for my dear brothers and sisters here, Lord, in Hope Chapel, Lord. People, Lord God, many of them, Lord, they're doing the best they can with their lives. And many of them, Lord God, right, some of them are going through tough times. They're going through this fire. They want this year to be over. They look at the new year with a hope and expectation. But today, because of this word, you're building their faith. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Then those of them that feel, Lord God, and this is the end. Their marriage is at the end. Their health is at the end. Then your power and your might and those feet that are like polished bronze that's refined by fire, Lord God, will be upon all those issues, all those troubles, all those trials in the name of Jesus, Lord. Then you will also, Lord God, give them polished bronze feet then they will know from you how to put all those things under their feet, Lord Jesus. I pray for 2013 to be a year of victory, Lord God, to be a year of breakthrough, Lord God, for this church, for these pastors, Lord God, here in this house. Father, for every single person that worships you here in this place. Father, we pray for the blessing, Lord God, that comes when we read and when we obey the, 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 the words of this prophecy. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will pour out your Holy Spirit spirit in a powerful way then more and more and more of your glory will be revealed to each person here we thank you in advance for the great things that you will be doing lord god in people's lives here we thank you lord in the precious name of jesus and with your eyes closed and heads down as we keep praying there's probably someone here then as you come before the lord today and, and we do this so so you know then this is this is an intimate time before the Lord. This is between you and God. Forget about who is around and what's going on around. But as you close your eyes in prayer, this is a moment between you and the Lord. And as you hear my voice, 
probably you you have heard something then 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 it was probably one of the songs or during worship or or, or at some point in the message when the holy spirit really touched something in you because you see you're here yes you're here probably somebody brought you here or you came on your own you've been seeking god and chances are that you're here because you believe in him but believing in him not necessarily means that you're surrendering to him and you see that's the problem that all of us have i have the same problem every human being has that problem we have the tendency to be our own king or our own queen in our hearts in other words is whatever we want to do with our lives whatever we want to plan we want that to happen is our will it's what we want and when you come to christ when you come to god actually you you want god to do what you want him to do not the opposite you're telling god okay god i want this i want that so you do it for me if you really love me do will do this for me but that's now that's not how the relationship between you and god works he is your king and as, unless you dethrone yourself from being the king or the queen of your own life and crown him king of kings and lord of lords in your life all these blessings will never come to fruition in your life you're sitting here your eye your eyes are closed your head is down and you know you know then that's you and in this environment this house you you don't feel judged or condemned you just feel the love and the grace of your god then he's calling you he's knocking at the door of your heart and said would you please open that door i'm giving you so many chances finish this year with victory surrender yourself to me and you know then it doesn't work for you to be the king or the or the queen of your life because you you were not created to be your own king or queen you were designed to be ruled by the loving and gracious savior jesus christ his name and until that is solved you will not be able to experience all these blessings that god has for you today you're saying you know what i'm tired i'm tired of being at the driving seat of my life i'm tired of being queen or queen playing king or queen it is time to dethrone myself and crown jesus as my lord as my king as my savior if that's you with all our eyes closed and heads down if that's you this is between you and god if that's you this this morning would you please raise your hand whatever you are and keep it high for a few seconds because i want to make sure that i see your hand and pray for you come on if that's you just raise your hand whatever you are raise it yes lord be my king raise your hand raise your hand where i can see it i can see some hands here i can see any hands on this side i can see two hands here i can see another hand another hand just went up god bless you sir another hand just went up in the back god bless god bless you god bless you another hand a young man just raised his hand right there yeah Young people get this, right? In the corner back there, somebody else raised their hand. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Keep your, your, this, is, this is a great moment for you. This is special. You're closing this year with a blessing. Amen. Now put your hands down. And what I will invite you to do, uh, you might not probably do this in your church, but I will encourage you to do this. You're going to pray a, a, a prayer with me. You're going to repeat after me. And all of you, maybe you didn't raise your hand. That's okay. You're going to repeat this prayer as well. Maybe... You feel a little self-conscious about it, but this prayer is going to be your prayer. You're going to borrow my words as you repeat after me, but you're going to put all your heart in this prayer. All together, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a family, we're going to pray this together, saying, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me 
and for giving your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Today I realize that I am a sinner and that I need you as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. So today I dethrone myself and I crown you King of everything in my life. I surrender everything to you. I yield everything to you. My life is completely yours. So please come and dwell in me. Make my heart your home and change me, restore me, and fill me with your spirit so I can follow your ways. Not because I have to, but because I love you and because I want to. And I declare this so I can hear myself, so everyone else can hear me, so all heaven can hear me, even the enemy can hear me. Jesus Christ is my Lord. He is my King. He is my Master. Starting today and forevermore. In the precious name of Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen and Amen. Come on, let's join the angels in celebration for all the souls that come before the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord.